Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, on the line now, he's Steve Sipple, Lincoln Journal star, HuskerExtra.com. Read his stuff, listen to him, 93.7 The Ticket, uh, with, with Jake Sorensen. Him and Jake do an excellent job. Uh, Sip, I know we, me and you, we could probably talk like an hour on NBA playoffs, but something tells me that's oh, not what that's not what people want, though. I don't think that's what our listeners want from us here. No, they don't want to hear about Brandon Ingram, but I, I'd talk about Brandon Ingram for a half hour. Man, he was – so we're taping this on uh, – gosh, what, today's Wednesday – uh, last night, Ingram had what thirty-eight on the road at Phoenix. I was, that was impressive. You've always been, you've been a Brandon Ingram guy from the jump. Yeah, I always. I just like, you know, sounds weird to say, but I like scores. You know, and, and if you're six foot nine and you score like that and move like that down the floor, I mean, it's amazing. I've always thought he's an amazing player. Now he's, you know, I think the, I think a lot of just casual fans are starting to understand him right now. right man it's I mean, every night the playoffs are, are a huge a huge commitment because it's like it's every night it's multiple games every night and we're going all the way until like mid-june i just it's uh it, it's it gets to be a daunting like it's like running a marathon in some ways for just watching oh uh, yeah a fun marathon yes and i it fills a big void i think yeah I, I agree. it's not that much and now there is, yeah. It, you know, I don't have to watch every game, um, but man, if you want to see a game, Boy. and this year the playoffs are are really good. I mean, they're, it's very, you know, there's a lot of parity and all that, and it's just hard to find a bad series. Okay, so shelve the basketball talk for a little bit. We might get it. I want to. I, I might hit on some Nebraska basketball stuff with you at the at the end of this, but I want I want to jump into football here, Sip. Um, yeah, we better. So uh, I think it's important. I've been kind of hammering this to kind of reset a bunch of different things with with football because given the circumstances, if you think about it, Sip, after the Iowa game and all the changes that Scott Frost was, was going to have to make, in my opinion, fast forward here to post-spring game, Scott Frost has kind of given himself the best chance for this whole thing to work, which is really all you can kind of ask for because don't, don't kid yourself, there was a version – where all of these changes could have been like they hired who, they got what quarterback in the portal, they got what who, they're doing what now? Like, I just I keep on thinking in my mind that Frost had a massive task on his plate, and I think given all things considered, all of the circumstances, I think he's given this whole thing with who he's hired, bringing in the two quarterbacks, Thompson and Purdy the best chance for this thing to work. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work, but I feel like he's he's done a pretty admirable job on the front end of this thing, which was a lot of different people to bring into Lincoln. Oh, yeah. I think you're exactly right. So, so far, so good, right? I mean, to this point, you'd say, yeah, I'd say it's good. I think there's a couple of thoughts I have. Number one, I felt during the hiring process and during it and then right after it, I, I, I was thinking exactly what you're thinking. Okay. They got good guys. And not only that, it wasn't, there was no debacles, you know, there yep. wasn't a, 
okay, they, they hired this coach and then two days later he backed out. Now we got to start to restart the process. Nothing like that was going on. He identified guys and he nailed them down and they happened to be, wow, wow. You got Mark Whipple. You went and got Mark Whipple. Right. Um, you went and got Mickey Joseph. You know, Donovan wasn't a, like a splashy hire because he is, you know, his limited resume, but I, I just felt that hire was, was critical and a good one on, and, you know, same with, same with Apple white. So yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think that the, just the process, I think the process being smooth was, is a good look for Scott. Yep. Now here's what the only, the only thing I'd add is this has been very interesting. This whole period, I would say, starting in early December when, you know, they made the initial hires. Mickey was, de- in, you know, December 3rd. Um, Donovan was shortly after that. Whipple was right there early December. Okay, so starting that, starting with that point, now going forward, okay, there's a lot of excitement initially. There's a lot of excitement up to February when those guys first met the media, you know, mid-February. And now it's changed. It's, it's, it's predictable but interesting to me. It's now it's settled into more tension, like mm-hmm. like spring ball. It was very interesting to me. There was excitement initially in spring ball, the, the new faces and all that brings and new energy. But by the end of spring, <laughs> it definitely felt more tension. Like, OK, this is this is a massive undertaking and it is massive. Yes. So but but, yeah, I agree with you. He I think he closed the deal on some really good coaches. and He did it in a smooth manner. Yeah, I, I joked in, in one of my last pods and saying that when you look at the whole f- calendar year for Husker football fans, the two biggest kind of Kool-Aid chugging weeks, in my opinion, are the week leading up to the first game. People just start to talk themselves into, you know, crazy things that are going to unfold in the year. And then it's the week after the spring game. Usually there's a lot of sunshine and rainbows and everybody's feeling great. And now I think it's understandable given four straight losing seasons, the structure of the spring game, and then all the newness and not knowing how to make heads or tails of all the five new coaches, new quarterbacks, but there's tensions, a a way to put it, but yeah, there's a, there's, I just, I guess what I I haven't, and maybe your inbox or your, your, your readers or your listeners on 93.7 have been different. I haven't necessarily felt that same Kool-Aid chugging after spring ball that I usually feel. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you don't. In fact, you get sort of called out now if you show any inclination that way. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you are if you are chugging a little bit, a lot of people say, all right, that's enough. Stop. Um, so, we, yeah, we are in a very uh, and, and, you know, we are paid to size that sort of thing up. And I think you're sizing it up really well. I'm trying now I'm trying to think how it was last year i think there was kool-aid chugging going on this time but not yeah not not it's it's different now it is not happening now no i think people are become fans nebraska fans become pretty skeptical they obviously are very fervent still they're enthusiastic um but yeah they're guarded yeah that's what that's what you know, when you don't go to a bowl for five straight seasons, that's what happens. So the only thing I would, the only pushback on my own thought, if I'm giving myself a pushback here, playing devil's advocate with myself on like, 
I think Frost had a, has, has given himself the best chance for this to work, given the, the, given the people he's brought to Lincoln. The only thing that makes me a little uncomfortable is the amount of, of players that could have stayed in Lincoln that didn't. And I'm not begrudging any of these people, Cam Jurgens, uh, different people leaving to, to go into the NFL, Austin Allen. But I guess for me, one of the things that I'm having a hard time with, Sip, is like if you, if you and I started writing down the 15 best players on the team last year, 80 to 90% of them are gone. Yeah, I look at that a little differently. I mean, the guys we're talking about, Cam Jurgens, Cam Taylor-Britt, um, those guys could have been back. Damian Daniels could have been back. Austin Allen could have been back. I look at that, that a little differently than you. First first of all, like an Austin Allen, it would have been a sixth year. Right, now, I, right. I don't know about you, but when I was I was ready to – when I was in my early 20s, I had to make money. Um, you know, I had to, I had to start, I had to start my life, you know, six years in a, in a program's a lot. That's a long time. Cam Jurgens would have been five. That that's a, again, fours, that might just be enough, you know, Damian Daniels, six years. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought, I thought it made sense for those guys. There's not really one of them I'd look at and say, Oh, Come on, that's a slight to the program. Cam Jurgens gave four years to the program. Um, Cam Taylor Britt gave I, four or five. Um, so I, that I, I understand those guys moving, especially now. Now when you look at their situations, they're really good. I mean, Jurgens is Jurgens is going to get picked probably before the fourth round, and Cam Taylor Britt's the same way. Austin Allen again. Um, I mean, he's going to get drafted. So, I, Nick, I, it makes sense to me. I, I've always looked at that like I just think being in a program for five years, especially six, is just a lot to ask. Yeah, I guess I should have. I, I, I'm not saying I don't necessarily understand each individual decision. I'm more looking at it from like the 500, you know, like zooming way out on like how would I feel about the situation that if Frost, they had guys, if, if they yeah. had, like, I mean, just say it out loud. Like, th- think if this. Think if they had Jurgens, Daniels, Cam Taylor, Britt, Austin Allen, like you'd feel you'd go. Oh, I mean, I'm not saying you know start booking your hotel reservations for Indianapolis the first weekend of December necessarily, but I'm I'm saying you'd feel a lot better about things. Yeah, you would, and you know what? Even if you just said Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas, right, right. Um, even yeah, even if you just said those two, which which we I glossed over DeAndre Thomas, which I don't want to do. Because the you know the, we all know that we all know the narrative about the defensive line it's lacking depth. Gosh, Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas. If you had those two guys, it 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 would. It, I would. Yeah, I'd feel differently about that part for sure. But yeah, add those other guys. Yeah, it's a lot different conversation. Yeah, I don't think Nebraska fans want to hear a whole lot about right, that. Right. Right. Help me out with this, Sip, because I'm not even sure I believe what I'm saying here, but it, it's nice. I, I sometimes like to, we don't allow people to talk things out anymore. Like just, just kind of just throw it out there and see where we, we land on it. Like chew on this for me. So, you know, over the last handful of years, in particular last year, we have this kind of man, Nebraska is close narrative permeating locally, nationally. Well, if, if you are close, I would think being close would suggest that you need to stay the course. Like, ooh, you're close. Like, if someone would tell me that, I would think, okay, I need to keep on doing what I'm doing. But that's not what 
has happened, in my opinion. This is a pretty massive change and a massive shift. Five new coaches, a new play caller, new O-line coach, new main top recruiter. Frost is moving to a more CEO role. You're gonna, you could have a new, qu- new quarterback, leading rusher, leading receiver. Like, I guess if Nebraska were to go nine and three next year, the narrative for some people could be: see, they were close, and it finally popped. Is that accurate, or is it more accurate to say that the football program had to make massive changes and then it popped? Yeah. Uh, you know what? It's the beauty of this sort of forum podcast and thinking this stuff out and talking it out. It's pretty complex. I mean, just that question is really complex. Yeah. And then I would add to it, by the way, 16 new scholarship players in the spring, 16 new scholarship players um, in the springtime, which I've never been, I've covered anything like that. The Dick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella windows and doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Yeah, I don't know, because like Michigan made change, you know, Michigan made some changes <laughs> with with some things. And I think for some people thought like, oh, look, they, they finally got over the top, for lack of a better term, where I don't know. I'm not boots on the ground in Ann Arbor and necessarily know if that's true or not. But I guess I don't know. I don't know how I feel. If, Here's if, what I look at. Here's what I look okay, at. Okay, give it to me. I, I mean, when you put it together in your head, it is complex. Scott in November, remember in November uh, when Scott said, we're going to the transfer portal and we're going to the JUCOs to try to get this program o- over the top. You know, we're close, but we got to get it over the top. That made a lot of sense when he said it to me. Um, and, he, and, and you know what? He did a good job of going out and getting players. He did. Now, you, you talk about going out and getting a good staff, new staff members. They did a good job, it seems to me right now, of going and finding impact-type players. We'll see how that turns out. As far as the coaching staff goes, yeah, going and hiring four new offensive staff members – doesn't suggest that they were close on the other hand each of them makes sense Mm -hmm. and moving on you know each of the dismissals made sense right Uh, and and the 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 coaches that succeeded those dismissals seem like upgrades right now again no games played so i don't want to go too far down that road but you know the offensive line i think we all agree needed new leadership it came to a kind of a tipping point last year it didn't come to a tipping point nick in 2020 it didn't they didn't they weren't it wasn't i don't think great i don't think austin was fireable in 2020 i agree but but it got to a point in 221 where yeah that made sense right um and then 
then, you know, it was determined that maybe Scott needed to change the structure of the staff, him take a step back. Well, that would necessitate hiring an offensive coordinator and, and, and probably one with a lot of experience. So they did that. So again, it's, it's like a lot of Nebraska football discussions in recent years, pretty complex and layered. No question about it. I, uh, Sticking with the new coaches, what what new coach will make the biggest impact next year, and what new coach do they need to make the biggest impact next year? Okay, it's a really difficult one because the good news is it's he hired guys who could have big impacts. They're they're capable of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's a good way to frame it up. By the way, um, who needs to? Who will? Who will? I mean, I I think the easy answer on the will is Whipple yep. because it's in charge of a side of the ball. And so I think that one makes sense just, just because of that simple, simple thought. But also, as you know, it's not just what Whipple does with X's and O's and scheme and play calls. He has a profound impact on the culture. Right. And he has a profound impact on Frost and the way Frost maneuvers into the CEO role that he can. It looks like he can turn over the offense to Whipple, which is that's a big thing. Right. It's not easy to if you if you didn't have the right guy, an offensive coordinator, Scott wouldn't be able to do that. Right. right. Um, you, you had to get a guy like Whipple in order to do that. That's so that affects Scott. So who needs to have who needs to have a big show, I'll stay. I'll still just stay with Whipple. I mean, it, because he's in charge of a side of the ball. Um, Mickey is big in this di- equation, obviously, um, because that 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 position group is critical and it looks pretty good. And he's got to get a lot out of it. And Donovan, and I'd say Donovan's very prominent in that discussion too, because we all know the the offensive line struggled. So, it's a great question, man. They're hot. Those. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating time. It really I'll is. Tell you, yeah, well, the one the one I, the one I thought I have is I would maybe I can you know I've covered Nebraska football for a quarter century full time. Yeah, I've never probably been more interested than I than than I am right now. Me too. I, yeah, it's it's we're in a you know for one thing we're at a pretty critical phase you know so and we're all wondering if it's going to work. How you you bring up the whole the frost to the CEO role. How will we, we being on the outside looking in, media fans watching on Saturdays in the fall of this season, how will we know that Frost in that CEO role is revealing itself? Will we? Like, or is that something that we won't like that it's happening, but it may not manifest itself into a huge play against Illinois or something like that, or a or a big game on the uh, on the road? Well, when I see like a guy like PJ Fleck, I mean it's it's clear who's controlling the ebb and flow and who's adjusting to the ebb and flow of the game. And that's what I hope you see from Scott, like a game manager yep. that is that is making moves that are in accordance, in accordance with the ebb and flow of the game. And that is really a, it doesn't sound like much when I'm sitting here on April 20th and talking about that, but when you're watching a game and you're watching a guy like PJ Fleck orchestrate in real time, uh, situations that need to be handled quickly in accordance with what's going on. It's, 
it's it, noticeable. He does it really well. Yes. Good coaches do that really well. Um, good coaches that don't have a headset on or calling plays. You can see, like, the simplest thing is clock management um, at the end, you know, at the end of halves, um, or just clock management. Let's just say clock management in general. So I hope, I hope that Scott's really heavily involved in that. He should be. Yeah, I, I wonder if. Now, did Frank? Shame on me. Did was Frank calling the plays in when he was the head coach? Yeah, he was until the end. Okay, because I, I was, um, I was thinking yeah. about like so. Uh, so Bo Bo Rude and I do this thing where every once in a while we do. It. It's called Husker Classic Recaps, where we watch an old game and then we we talk about it in a podcast and recap the whole game. But one of the things that I was just thinking about as you were as you were talking there was what people don't realize. So we all remember Stunts to Crouch, two thousand one, Oklahoma. Right? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the play before that the, that play? No, I do not. So I do not. it was a pretty. It was a third down. It was a pretty controversial face mask on Crouch that gets flagged that gives Nebraska a first down. Stoops is losing his mind, and you can tell Oklahoma has not moved on to the next play. Mm-hmm. Perfect, Perfect time to Perfect. sub in stunts. Maybe they don't catch it. Everybody's caught up on all huge blown call, trick play, boom. Like, I think those kinds of moments where, like, maybe Frost being able to, like, could help those kinds of things, right? Like, ooh, hey, Mark, might be a good chance here for whatever kind of a thing. If you're not – so so people – not everybody understands. A lot of people do understand this, but a lot of people don't. Yeah, what you laid out is a really good example. Now, if Scott is on the headset worried about the next play, he might not be noticing the, the coach on the other side freaking out. Right. Or not be really totally cognizant of the, the situation. If you have a headset on and all you're thinking about is the next play, next play, two plays down the line, three plays down the line, we got to figure out the next series too, by the way, here. Yeah, you don't have that. You don't have that. Now, Frank... If, I think if people look back that are listening, the, the way I remember it is Frank called plays right up until the end of his tenure. Then it was a big – it became a very big story. Like gotcha. Frank's giving, okay. up, Frank's giving up play calling duties was a big, big story. Um, you, oh, so, yeah, because he was going to hire – yeah, he, was, he went through a, a, a process of hiring an offensive coordinator. I remember it well. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm shame on me for not remembering that, but I, I just I wasn't totally sure. But I was just trying to think of an example of like something that people could remember. Where hey, maybe not being like you said, just caught your head in the play sheet and only thinking about the next set of plays might might help. Uh, yeah. Which could which yeah. could be a, a good thing. I one of the things I really enjoy is I, I I love listening to you whenever you you and Damon get, can debate Husker football. One of the things I love you guys being on opposite sides on the whole talent discussion at Nebraska. And you and I are on the same side of like, hey, listen, you know who you know who can put you over the top of, of a lot of these close games? Amir Abdullah, Randy Gregory, Levante David, and Dominican Suit. You know, like those guys can get you over the top. And then Damon's rebuttal is always like, Sip, you really watch these games and you think it's talent that's holding these these guys back? And I my whenever I'm listening and I want to scream, I always say, Well, Damon, it, it's you do understand that all these little mistakes that end up costing you 
Amir Abdullah covers up for all that stuff. Randy Gregory can cover up for all that stuff. Levante David just goes and makes a play at Penn State and stuffs a guy down the line to win the game and get off the well, field. Three and get, straight plays. Three straight plays, right? Like, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, like, sure, you could have false starts and mistakes and mental, whatever, but then Levante David just goes, hey, you know what? It's it's winning time. I'm going to go be the best player on the field three straight plays. I guess – I want you to kind of expand on that and how you kind of see uh, how, you, how you see Nebraska's roster in that regard. Because I don't know if I feel great about it in that regard heading into next year. Well, think about the Super Bowl. What happened yeah. at the end of the Super Bowl? Yeah, right. Aaron Don, what did Aaron Donald do? Yeah. Was it the Super Bowl or was it the, the division, the championship? Might have been the division champ. Well, you could just say in the Super Bowl, what Cooper Cup do? It was, yeah, it was everybody knew where the ball was going. And Cooper Cup said, "I'm getting open." Everybody, everybody in the world knew where the ball was going, and it still went there. And he and he won the game. Yeah, they had to get the ball to Cup because why? Because he was he was the best offensive player on the field. Yep, it happens all the time in sports. I don't know why you have to beat your head against the wall in that argument. I mean, does Nebraska beat Northwestern on that last um, on the you know the hail mary? Hail mary? Yeah. Amir Abdullah doesn't miraculously get that first down. Right. Or beat. Okay, that's a loss if, there's, if if you don't have Amir Abdullah. McNeese State, right? McNeese State, yeah. yeah, that's a loss without without just Amir Abdullah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I mean, it's about having difference making players at the end of games, and 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 usually those are all American or at least first team all Big Ten types. The fact Nebraska has been bereft of those two things largely over the past several years, that is explains a lot to me. In fact, it's just like that's where I start the conversation when people come up, you know, people from outside our area come up and say, hey, what's happened? Well, here's what's happened. Naming Nebraska's last first round draft pick. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. How far are you back? You're going back to 211? 211? Uh, it, it was Prince, it was, it was, it was Prince Amakamara. Yep. Whenever that year was, and I think it was 211. Okay. Now think about that. Yeah. And then I tell people, think about that. They haven't had a first round pick since then. I mean, they haven't had a second round pick since Amir. Those are difference making players. <laughs> They, that's who gets you the big shot, you know, in basketball. That's who, come on, it's not that hard. No, I agree. And and the fact they haven't had had him, that's where I start the conversation. Uh, Sip, will you be, uh, will you be paying close attention to Adrian Martinez at Kansas State and kind of like, does his performance there prove anything to you one way or the other in terms of maybe him as a quarterback or Nebraska or what the last four years were like or where, like, Anything there for you? Oh, I want to see if he go, goes and wins the job. Okay. Uh, yeah, with that and, shoulder thing, is it isn't a guarantee that he's going to, you know? Well, I, I, I mean, it's he's got, yeah, he's, it's a pretty long, tough road back from that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, I think it's meaningful if he would go and light it up. Right. I agree. They, I think it, it has to be. It's, it's nuanced, though, like a lot of things. I have a, I am of the belief that doing, doing it in the Big Twelve is easier than doing it in the Big Ten. Um, oh, totally agree. Yeah, I mean the defenses are. Yeah, come on. Look at, look at. I mean, he just went through a minor hell last year. He played, he played with a broken jaw and a, a 
shoulder issue and a high ankle sprain. I don't know how he did it. Actually. I don't either. It, it just beats you up more. The Big Ten beats you up more. It does. Pretty much any position you identify, you're just going to get beat up more. So it it would mean something, but I would take into account the league. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by my good friends at Runza. You know, a few things make me more proud than the fact that Runza supports my podcast because as a Nebraskan, I've been a Runza fan my entire life. I lived down the street from a Runza growing up. was a blast to go there as a kid. Sometimes I'd even ride my bike there with my buddies. I vividly remember one of our very first elementary school field trips was to Runza. Everyone loved it. I remember going to Runza in high school for lunches with all my high school friends. And I've told you guys this, one of the happiest days at Kansas my freshman year was discovering a Runza in Lawrence, Kansas, it was like finding a little slice of home when I was away from home. And now as an adult, it's great to share runs with my kiddos who absolutely love the deliciousness of Runza. It's a little Runza story from yours truly. And you know what the menu is. Just outstanding, amazing Runza sandwiches. Oh my gosh, a piping hot cheese Runza. Mm, that sounds good right now. Incredible burgers. The best fries on the planet. The salads are great, especially the Southwest chicken salad, my personal favorite. It's just awesome food. So whether it's lunch, dinner, a little snack, doesn't matter. Runza is the spot. You need to go download the mobile app. It's in the app store. You can order ahead, skip the line, plus you can earn rewards as well. Runza Makes it all better. All right, Sip, like two, like two Husker Hoops things, one NIL thing, we're out of here. Um, oh, we're fine. We're fine yeah. with, with, with Nebraska basketball, I guess let me start with it. As, as we've had some time pass now since the decision from Trev to retain Hoiberg, do you understand that decision more as time has passed? Do you understand it less as time has passed? Or have you have, is it kind of just stayed the same in your mind? Hmm. Oh... It stayed pretty much the same. I, I, I understand where Trev's coming from to a point. I think he was. I think. I think that Fred put him in a tough position by going nine and fifty in the Big Ten. I mean, it, I don't know. I, I have a lot of reservations. I, I obviously I've been pretty critical of Fred Hoiberg, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't like that. But I don't. I just point to the record. If anybody said, I mean, all you got to do is say nine and fifty. What do what, what you got? What do you got for me there? Right, I, mean, nothing. I, I was nine and fifty. <laughs> I mean, any circumstance acceptable. Never. I mean, and I've been amazed by the patience. Now, Fred's a great guy, and that's what it is. Fred's a great guy. Um, he is, and I think he. And I will say this about Fred. I know this. I would say his preparation is excellent. He gets his players. They know what they need to do. There's no doubt about it. He's a he's a he's very good game prep, very very diligent, very very much a grinder in that regard. Now he doesn't get he obviously hasn't done a great job of getting his players to execute it, and that's that's you know obviously fairly important. Ah, just you know what I'm most uncomfortable with, and it just kind of is a frost conversation too. It just seems like they 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 dropped out of the sky and said oh what is this big 10 thing this is wow this is really really physical and there's a lot of bigs in this league man i never would have guessed that like i got i, I have to somehow adjust to this it seems like it take, took too long to me mm-hmm. like like they weren't somehow weren't aware of what they were getting into scott has alluded to it almost admitted to it last 
July at Big Ten Media Days. That it's taken time to adjust to the Big Ten. We didn't know exactly what we were getting into. And I always kind of want to say, well, what are you, were you just, I know you're wrapped up in your job at UCF in that league, but you had to be aware of what you're getting into. It didn't, it just didn't seem like the level to which either of them knew what they were getting into was satisfactory because right. it seems like it took them by surprise. Yeah, And I think it's maybe taking them both kind of taking it on the chin to maybe alter some things, you know, because if you are uh, the one thing I will say, cause I agree with you, but the one thing I will say is like, Think if you are Scott Frost walking into Lincoln, Nebraska, why would you have any other reason other than to feel like I am the man? My offense oh, kicks people's ass anywhere I go. I'm going to come here, and why would it be any different? And if you're Fred Hoiberg, you would say, okay, I just I, – I lit the world up at Iowa State doing what I do. I was just the head coach of the Chicago freaking Bulls. You think I'm worried about – Minnesota you think I'm worried about Northwestern that yeah, you know I like so, so I, I think a little bit of it is they've had to learn the hard way like nah, it's different you know like it, this is a different world and sometimes that's life sometimes you got to kind of take it on the chin to go okay all right now we need to adjust and we'll see we'll see <laughs> if if Fred can do it with with altering some things in his program right and I and I agree with that now here's the thing yeah I just think the adjustment came a little late on in both. Yeah, rounds. right. I understand that. Well, the, that's the, what I'm saying. I just think it took a little too long. Well, and the, that's the thing. You had a good Q and A with Doc Sadler uh, recently. Everybody should go go read it. And first of all, there were lots of sneaky, low key shots taken by Doc throughout throughout that whole Q and A, which I which I thought was interesting. But they were know, they were low key they were, shots. But for, the the way Hoiberg handled Doc was kind of puzzling to me because if you if you just kind of look at it like this, Nebraska last year for sure lacked three things, defense, toughness, accountability. If I were to conjure up three things that Doc Sadler is pretty good at as a coach, it's defense, toughness, and accountability. So, like, his the way he kind of pushed Doc to the side to bring in Lenzer, who I think Lenzer is a good coach, but Lenzer is kind of a redundant skill set to, to Hoiberg a little bit. Like, I think that's one thing that – that we're seeing here is the importance of complimenting, surrounding yourself as a head coach with staff members that compliment you where maybe you're not great. What Fred is great at is X's and O's, spacing, offense, trying to breed confidence. Where he maybe lacks is defensive toughness, accountability, strategizing things on how you're going to attack different people in a defensive game plan. Like, I think that's maybe what what is alluded. Fred a, a little bit is is who he's surrounded himself with well you nailed it um the only thing I'd add I think you're right on on that I, I think that and I know Doc really well really well because he's you know he's here from yeah. 2006 to 2012 and I've never really lost contact with him and what I know about Doc and believe me I know this because he does it to me he challenges you he doesn't he just doesn't nod his head if you say something that is wrong or you're doing something wrong. He lets you know. And you need the guys like that on the staff, but it's not for everybody, Nick. Mm -hmm. it, those kind of guys aren't for everybody. Totally agree. And, and I guarantee you he challenged Fred. And I wonder sometimes, I just I don't know how, how well Fred reacted to it. Right. I mean, some guys don't. 
I think Fred's very non-confrontational. I agree Doc, with that. Doc's confrontational. Right. I mean, he, he is. He is. And I like that about him. I mean, he's he is – like, if I wrote – when Doc was a head coach and I wrote something he didn't like, I got he, – he was confrontational about it. And I appreciated right. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like coaches like that. They don't, they're not passive aggressive. They don't hold weird grudges that become odd that he just, just called you up and say, Hey, what you wrote was bullshit. It right. was complete bullshit. Yeah. You were wrong. Um, and I, and that, that's what you want. I mean, that's obviously what you want. Doc will call it, will call a coach out. And, uh, you know, I think you need guys like that. I think you need that, that sort of reality. I agree. I, t- I totally agree, especially in college. you got to hold those dudes accountable, man. you got to get after them, and the same goes for coaches. Like, coaches, yeah. You, 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 gotta, you, you need those guys. Um, get you out of here on this with, with NIL. Um, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not necessarily – I'm not anti-players getting paid. I'm not. I mean, especially it's the new reality. But I, what I am anti is any sort of kind of like – any situation that doesn't have any regulations and doesn't have any sort of competitive balance or capping with a structure to a sport like that, then, then we're entering into a weird place. And Nick Saban said it recently that NIL basically allows you to just buy players. And I'm going to read this to you. This is from the, uh, there's a story in the athletic. This is a quote from Mike Caspino. He's an attorney who's repped a bunch of recruits who's dealt with these kinds of contracts here since NIL has gone through. He goes, this is the hierarchy. Five-star quarterbacks, they're getting $2 million a year. The next most sought-after players are defensive linemen, edge rushers. They're getting seven figures. The next is a stud offensive lineman with quick feet. They're getting high six figures. Everyone else is a hodgepodge, but in the six-figure range. So here's the thing. This isn't NIL. This is just paying players, which I guess, I'm uh, again, is fine if that's how it's going to be. But I, I guess the thing that's been hilarious for me in a sad kind of way is, like, uh, is how we're kind of masquerading all this as NIL when it's really not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, you know, it's interesting. Me and you are strangely aligned on almost everything. Right. Um, I, now, the, on this conversation, you don't – you're not that old. I'm pretty old. So I always – I don't want to be the guy that comes across as always shaking my fist at the clouds. It's not that. I, it's not – I don't think that's what I'm doing. I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to start the conversation. <laughs> I guess I didn't do a good job of leading yeah, you no, to a place. I, yeah, it I, is. It's, it's weird. I, I it's, it's yeah. a weird feeling. And the more that people now, I believe it's really important to talk about these matters, really important because Nick, you know, a lot about it. I know a lot about it, a lot about it. I know, I know, like, I, I mean, I'm, I, I know Jared Lambert really well who heads up, athletic athletes branding marketing abm which is the collective that you know that nebraska student athletes are associated with or go through for their money laundering um but but i uh, and i know jared i respect jared a lot so i know a lot about it i i would two things i'd say nebraska does operate well like there it is a pretty structured operation well, not a pretty sure it's a very structured operation at Nebraska. The Nebraska Nebraska fans should be proud of their operation because they are they are J- Jared does regulate it well. There is a lot of teaching that goes on of of the student athletes. Nebraska's compliance is 
God, let me tell you, they're watching everything closely. Nebraska, I feel pretty good about that operation, but those those things you laid out, those are very real, and I don't know what to say. I hope I hope that I, I guess my overriding concern is it diminishes the popularity of of college football, college sports in general. Right. I think never, yeah. I never felt it during the, during March madness though, Nick, I loved it. Never right. thought of the NIL during that whole period. No, neither did I. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think that's where we're in agreement. Like, I feel like sometimes you can get painted as all oh, you're anti the players getting paid and you're stuck in the no. stone age. Like, I no, I'm not saying that, but I guess what, what's fair and right might not always be what's best for the, the collective. And so, like, I just feel like this, people aren't thinking about the overall viability and, and health of the sport of college football or college basketball for that term, if you, if you want to throw that in there, and just going, well, you know, these players are, are, should get paid. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But, like, there's a reason every, almost every professional sport, they have rules and regulations and salary caps and contracts and structure. You know what I mean? Like, then, then we need to then we need to start entertaining the other side of that conversation if we want to go that way, which is okay. If we're going that way, we're going that way. Well, again, comp complex. The other thing I would add, and I don't think the average fan is cognizant of this, or the casual fan is cognizant of it, but and you would be because you were so you were a student athlete. The 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 locker room is a big issue. It is. And You've heard John Cook talk publicly about it. Um, and I've heard enough to know. I've heard enough from players to know. It is a, that is a big challenge now, a big challenge. And I don't even know what to say about it. I, 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 that's a concern that goes back to what you said about the popularity and how we look at the sport. I think the locker room is sort of the start of that conversation. And what, what it's doing how, how student athletes are handling this is hard. It's hard. I know it's hard. Of course it'd be hard. I mean, if you're talking about getting O'Shawn Mathis, the TCU pass rusher, I know this, that it's going to take, I was told a strong six figures, Man. strong, Man. strong. Nebraska's not getting him without a strong six figures, which to me, that means not 100,000, not 200,000, probably not 300,000. Okay, that's that. I hope people understand. You're you're not getting O'Shawn Mathis probably without a, paying him a half million dollars. Now, there's starting offensive linemen, or excuse me, starting defensive linemen at Nebraska right now that haven't made eight thousand dollars in nil money. Now, what what's that do? I mean, how's that how's that square up? Now, I get I know what I'm just going to add this. I know what people say because I have this argument with people all the time. Let's get, well, NFL locker rooms is the same thing. No, it's not the same thing. I hate that. It drives me up the wall when people say that. Because even the lowest paid players in the NFL are, if they're not millionaires, they're right on the cusp of being millionaires. There's not millionaires in the locker room in Nebraska, ex- except for maybe O'Shawn Mathis <laughs> shortly. <laughs> um, but there's not, so you're not, it's not, it's not. It's not a linear comparison like some people try to paint you. It's just it's not right. close to a linear comparison. So, yeah, it's very uncomfortable right now. We'll see where it goes. 
And I would say that a lot of people are uncomfortable with it, including the athletic director of Nebraska. Well, and even what you're laying out with 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 Oshawn Mathis again, it's two, three, four hundred thousand dollars or whatever in NIL money. Okay, what's he pitching? What is he endorsing? Who is he working for? Who like what what company is he representing? What is, like that's what this was yeah, supposed to be. So I guess that's where like I feel like we've just glossed over that. Like where I, I figured my biggest worry when this thing all went through is it's inevitable seeping into recruiting, and this is what's happening here and what we're talking about. But I think when people thought of NIL, they thought they'd drive down I-80 and they'd see, you know, uh, Ramir jo- a billboard with Ramir Johnson eating a cheese runza. And you'd go, okay, whatever. Like, uh, he's going to go be the starting running back and he's eating a cheese runza. That's, that's fine. That's not what this is. Like, that's oh, not wow. what this yeah. is. And so it's a it's a weird I guess that's where and and again, I I feel like we can have these kinds of conversations and we don't have to shout each other down of like, oh, you're just you're anti this and that. I'm I'm just want to talk about it to me. You know, right. right. And I do. And again, I think it's important and it's it's I don't think it's wrong to express your concerns for something that's that poorly planned. I mean, can't we all at least agree that that it was rolled out too quickly without enough structure. Um, I, I, is that, is that, come on. Right. I mean, it, I think that's Entirely clearly fair. happened. Yeah. Uh, there's, it's hard to argue. I mean, I like to hear the argument against that. And I really, I get irritated too with when a guy like Nick Saban expresses concerns about it and people quickly play the, Oh, it's just because he doesn't have, the advantages that he used to have card. No, I think that Nick Saban, his credibility, he's built enough credibility that suggests he's just concerned like you are. Yeah. Now happens to be the coach of a team that's had enormous success, a program that's had enormous success. But I think when I read Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney for that matter, I just think these guys are legitimately concerned. Right. I mean, right. and they have a strong voice. People listen to them. I don't think it's about they're losing their advantage. Those guys have, Proved, proved that they can adjust. Right. Um, it, but I, I think they're just, I think they're gravely concerned. And I, I totally understand. We'll leave it there. Steve Stipple, Lincoln Journal Star, HuskerExtra.com, 93.7 The Ticket. Listen to him, read his stuff. Sip, I always really enjoy our conversations. Really appreciate you being generous with your time, my man. Oh, well, I mean, I love coming on, and I, that was fun. I appreciate it. This was great. This was great. Thank you, Sip. A Huda Media Production.